Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 64. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast where I interview nomadic entrepreneurs who are running a business while traveling full-time. This is our three-year anniversary of RV travel. May 24th, 2017 will have marked three years that we have been living, working, and traveling full-time on the road. At various points, we've gone back to Texas and spent holidays with family or maybe just recouped for a few months, cut costs, looked for extra freelance or video gigs to pay the bills, and continued traveling. But overall, we've been on the road for the past three years, which is kind of crazy and surreal how our lifestyle has changed dramatically. Growing up, I didn't spend a lot of time in campgrounds or camping in general. I didn't do it. It wasn't anything that my family did. And now that's something that we live in and breathe in every day. And it wasn't something that I planned for, that we planned for, that I don't know. I don't think most people really plan it. But I'm so grateful that this is the life that we chose, this crazy amount of freedom. And I had no idea that there would be so much overlap in business and what I'm doing now with campground booking and traveling in our RV. But finding ways to intersect those has been really interesting and challenging at times. This morning I got up, the first thing I did was did some cold calls in Myrtle Beach where we are the KOA campground here in town, reaching out to some other local parks, pitching them on maybe using our software system. And I went over to one and had a great hour-long conversation with the manager there. And I don't know if they're going to use it, but that's how I'm kind of working to build the the software side of our business into our travels to be able to pitch campgrounds as we're on the road and really insert more mission into what we're doing and make it all work together, the travel, the startup, and the cool experiences that we're doing while on the road. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Case and Madison from OurV.com. Last year, I brought Case and Madison on the show to talk about their 59 National Park journey that they were working on doing in one year's time. They wrapped up the majority of the trip before they stopped to have their little baby Theo recently in the San Francisco area. A few things they talk about on today's episode is how to get sponsors to fund the travel lifestyle and whether or not this is a sustainable source of income for the long term and if you need to have an audience before attracting sponsors. Sponsors is one of those vague things in 2017 where it's not what it used to be. It's not just being paid to be famous and endorse stuff. It's more of a client-based relationship where you're providing some type of service for a company and usually in the form of some type of content. In the instance of Case and Madison, they partnered with Chaco Sandals for their 59 National Park journey last year, and they wrote blogs, took photos in all the national parks, and of course they were wearing Chaco Sandals the whole time. They were compensated for all of that. And it was a way for them to go out and travel around the country, work with a company producing content. And this was something they had never done before. They didn't have a background in marketing They just graduated from college. They didn't have any type of online following. And so there's a lot of opportunities out there to be able to work and partner with companies who are looking for great content and be able to insert yourselves in those situations. You just have to be able to look for them and know where to find them. So that's what we talk about and cover in today's episode. Before diving into today's episode, I want to thank today's sponsor, WeBoost and the new 4GX RV cell phone booster. This cell phone booster is something I wish we would have picked up the day we bought our RV because I can't tell you how many times over the past three years we were in truly beautiful places outside of national or state parks, but we had to leave early because there was only one to two bars of Verizon and we couldn't get any work done or it wasn't fast enough to record a podcast over Skype, which is kind of a big deal. The 4GX RV cell booster can take that signal, multiply it up to 32X, and then rebroadcast it throughout the entire RV to give us a significant boost in internet speed. This means more time in beautiful places and faster internet wherever we go. WeBoost's new cell phone booster is made specifically for RVs, and if you want to receive a 10% discount, you can reach out and email me directly, heath at campgroundbooking.com, and I will hook you up with that discount code. Go to weboost.com to learn more about their cell phone boosters. All right, let's get into today's show with Casey Madison. Thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, thanks. We're stoked to, to be here again. So. Yeah, thank you, Heath. So I don't, I mean, congrats on finishing up. I know you guys are at 52 of 59 national parks and we talked like a year ago and, uh, and now you are about to knock out the remaining seven, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we've, it was kind of a cool natural break for us. Well, we kind of forced it to be a little natural. Madison was <laughs> pretty pregnant by the time we were, we were rolling into to town here, but, uh, 
we we drove to all of the like quote unquote drivable national parks. So the the rest of them are all on the islands. So we'll be flying out here soon. I feel I, I feel like you guys are going to be able to write like an insane comprehensive guide on just visiting all fifty nine national parks because that's something that we want to do, but it's intimidating because a there's so many national parks and also a side note, a park ranger kind of made fun of me the other day. We were at Biscayne last week. And I said, yeah, you know, my wife and I, we want to eventually hit up all 59 National Park. And he was like, well, we in the service call it 400 and, you know, like 17 or whatever. How many national, like national beaches, national whatever, landmarks and all that kind of good stuff that's all lumped into one. So apparently it's not cool enough for me to just want to go to all 59. I don't know if you guys are like also going to try to hit up all the other national uh, marks as well. Yeah, there there are a lot of units in the. The national mm-hmm. park system there are a couple people out there that are that are doing it we've since we've been in on we've, the scene, r- we've run into a couple and yeah they yeah. call themselves like 417ers or whatever and yeah. we're just 59ers so i guess we're not cool but like whoa whatever there's, there's, but there, <laughs> there are some that are i mean i shouldn't like diminish any of them but some of them is just like really like this is this is like a, a point on my checklist now like I don't know. Yeah, there, but there's some pretty awesome. interesting places. I mean, I'm sure there's so many places that we've missed on our trip, but like the places in between the national oh, parks. Oh, we have. Yeah, that's. I don't know. I think that's been kind of one of the regrets, I guess, is just wishing we could go slower and catch everything in between. But mm-hmm. but like the 59 parks are just so incredible. Like I think one of the main things we've realized on our trip is just how incredibly beautiful and diverse our own country is and like how a lot of people will you know seek all these adventures outside of the u.s and go abroad but we have so much going on for us just like right in our back door and we didn't even know about half these places so it's it's been really cool do you think there's a bunch of these parks it's probably it's a really dumb question but i'm gonna ask anyway like okay i'll ask i'll be more specific which parks is at the top of your list to go back to because you didn't get to experience enough of it all of them almost <laughs> I don't know. well it's funny because every park we went to was madison's new favorite park every every single one so she she loves them all even hot springs okay maybe not that this <laughs> <laughs> dog on hot springs i'll pass on that one but of the 58 rest of them i'll go again but i don't know specifically i I don't know. I really love the desert. I, and so I, I'm like really, really craving to get back to Southern Utah, to the desert, the Red Rock desert there. But I think I, th- I kind of had that bug before the trip. So I think maybe that's a, a different poll, but I think, I think we, we didn't do East. So, I mean, in, in a 59 park tour, one big loop, you know, there are going to be some parks that kind of, you know, get gypped a little bit as far as timing with the seasons and whatnot. And, for us, that was kind of the east. A lot of the East Coast parks, um, just because we hit them kind of in the weird transition time between fall and winter, you know. And so it was. So I, I feel like we didn't quite do it justice. Mm-hmm. We want to make it back to the East Coast in either the spring or like mm-hmm. prime fall colors, you know. Specifically, um, Shenandoah, Great Smoky Mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and Great Smoky Mountains was literally on fire when we were there, so. Yeah, that didn't work out. It was, it was um, a little crazy. Do you yes. guys have any, uh, like, a route planning tips if somebody wanted to do, like, a year-long trip across the country to try to hit up all 59 national parks? Like, where where should you start and in what season would you guys recommend? That's a really good question. So we, we, we try we did our best to time it with the seasons and we thought we thought at least on paper where we it, it looked great, but things took us a little bit longer and just, like we were we were essentially three to four weeks behind schedule by the time we got to by the time we got to the East Coast. And I think that's kind of what we, we would have been there for fall and the plan was to make it for like peak leaf changing colors but we, we didn't make it um but we started we started in april um and i think looking back at it we would have started maybe a month earlier mm-hmm. um and you started in california we actually we didn't we, we started in utah and from there we went south cut across to southern california worked our way up the coast then made the jump to alaska 
And then we were in Alaska all of August. Yeah, the entire month. And then the plan was to kind of travel back down um, Glacier, Yellowstone, Tetons, and then to the Dakotas, and um, then all the way across to Isle Royale, and then up to and Cuyahoga Valley, and then up all the way to Maine. And then by the time we got to Maine, it should have been about October. And then we would have just rode the leaves all the way down the whole East Coast till we got to Florida. And then by then it would have been like November, maybe creeping up on December. And we would have spent like Christmas time um, in Florida where it's warm. So that's how we planned it. But because we were a month behind, we kind of blew it. But I think if you had done our route and started in March, we could have nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Plus Plus there was a human growing in your belly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that changed a few things, especially for Florida. But uh, yeah. So that was. Do you, do you feel like you guys got out of this trip what you wanted to, other than like a baby? I know that wasn't like one. I know that wasn't one hundred percent part of the plan. But before going into this, did you have something in the back of your mind like I want to try to get this a certain thing out of this trip, or was it I just want to go do this because it sounds awesome? Yeah. So I mean, I uh, I. I personally got way more out of the trip than I thought I would have ever gotten. And I think, I don't know, would you say the same? Yeah, I think initially, like, we just wanted to go out and have a lot of fun and see the country. That was definitely, like, one of our main motivations. Like, if we can make this work, let's just go play. That's a great goal. Like, you finish college (laughs) and, you know, you want to go, yeah. Exactly. And so that was kind of, like, my main goal. And... Looking back, I think it was just so much more than a good time. It was just like one of our best life adventures. I mean, we got to spend every second of every day together in the most beautiful places that our country it was huge has for to our offer. Marriage. Right. I mean, and it's just so many good memories and so many learning opportunities. I feel like we just grew so much in the last year um, from our challenges and triumphs and just everything in between and so I just feel like we're closer together and we just have such an appreciation for our country and like I don't know our national parks and there's just so many life lessons to be learned and we got a baby out of it so I I personally got way more than I ever thought that we would out of that trip. Well and then kind of to piggyback on what you said like learning like we we learned a I mean, obviously, every park is different. You learn so much about a different area and a different ecosystem, about you know all of the above. But then, to make it work, we had to learn a lot of other skills. Um, you know, with from I mean, everything from web design to different you know working with marketing teams of different companies, and and so just like the skill set going, I you know I I kind of, in the beginning I pictured oh I'm gonna have to know how to take care of an RV you know and like figure that out, but like. I learned so much more than just basic mechanical skills. And don't worry, we learned about how to oh, we, take care you know, of an RV. Yeah, we got them. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I mean, it, it just was so much broader than I think I ever imagined. Yeah, I mean, you don't, I think we may have even said this on our, our last episode together, but you don't go to college and somebody tells you, a professor, hey, it's possible to right out of college, go and travel around the country. And for anybody who hasn't listened to that episode, can you guys, can you give a real quick context to how you guys were able to fund this trip and actually go on this adventure? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's probably one of our like most asked questions. Like everybody's like, how do you pay for all that? And, uh, and I'm sure you guys got that a lot too, like with your trip. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, people ask that all the time, and and I think there are a lot of different approaches to fund, um, you know, this kind of travel or this kind of lifestyle. Um, for us, it it evolved. It was kind of another one of those unforeseen evolutions. You know, like we we never we didn't like set off down this road planning to get sponsors. We just said, hey, we're going to make this trip, and then, you know, kind of came across it. Um, but in in two words, kind of what we did was. Uh, we we put we built a site, built our website, um, kind of planned our route, drew a line across a map, and uh, then randomly I approached a handful of companies that you know I was, I loved their stuff anyways I used their gear already, and was kind of hoping for some T-shirts and maybe like I don't know some free some free pieces of gear or whatever, 
And a few of them came back way more excited than I would have ever imagined. And then at that point, I realized, whoa, I, you know, I need to work at this a little more, and maybe we can get a lot more of this funded than than I originally even thought. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of how it happened. It, uh, and, then, and so then from there, I was emailing companies for about you know a month and a half, two months before we were leaving full time, like literally eight to ten hours a day. And, uh, and yeah, landed, we're able to mostly fund, fund most of our trip, I guess. Mm -hmm. Which is, which is awesome because the alternative is, you know, funding it out of your pocket. And, uh, so what did, what did you kind of learn in the process of working with all these sponsors? Do you think it's a a viable income for you guys on a, on an ongoing basis? And I'm also sure, just as part two of that question, it, have you met a lot of other people who are working exclusively with sponsors to fund their travel lifestyle? Um, yeah, so I guess to, to answer the first question, I, I definitely think that it's possible really for anyone to jump into this world, really. I, I'm a firm believer, because when we started, we didn't have a massive following on any social platform, right? We didn't, we didn't, you know, nobody knew who we were. These companies didn't know who we were, whatever. Um, but, um, I think when, you know, when we kind of established our, our site, kind of our home base, and then, um, kind of started working with, with these people, we learned kind of how it works and how you, you need to have those social channels going and and whatnot. But once, once we got rolling, we could see the potential of, you know, really making a, a, a lifelong career uh, out of it. And, and, and it's, if, if you have a specific trip like we do, it's easy to get quote unquote sponsors or it's easier, I guess. When it's just kind of a lifestyle, it's more of, you can do a lot of paper post stuff. You can do a lot of, uh, you can do a lot of different influencing, um, whether that's on Instagram or, or um, on your own blog. But uh, I, I definitely think that it's, it's a viable, you know, option. Um, and then, and then what was kind of the second half of the question? Uh, had you, have you met a lot of other people who maybe don't have a specific trip that they're doing or a specific project that are financing at, I don't know, 75% or more of their lifestyle through sponsorships? I think we have met a few people, um, out and about on the road and specifically, I think those people had more like trips or adventures or specific projects that they were working on in which they got sponsored um but through social media we have seen a lot of people pretty similar to us um sorry (laughs) the baby's squeaking um but through through social media especially instagram we have run into and met a lot of people um online there who just fund their lifestyles, just normal lifestyles through um, sponsors or um, paid posts and things like that. So it's definitely not only a thing, but it's growing a lot and becoming like a really popular way for companies to advertise through these micro influencers, especially on Instagram and also a lot of times on lifestyle blogs. Totally. I think the coolest takeaway from that is in both of our scenarios, both with you guys and Alyssa and I, we like our first income that we had that was remote when we hit the road was sponsorships. Like we kind of had our flagship, I guess you call them sponsor with Snagajob when we went to Hourly America and you guys had Chaco Sandals. Uh, is it Chaco or Chaco? I always forget. Chaco. Chaco Sand. You guys had Chaco Sandals and neither of us had any blog, any Instagram following it, anything, literally just a project. And that was kind of like our foothold because I think if I would have thought about sponsorships before jumping into this lifestyle, I think of somebody, you know, you think of like Peyton Manning, you think of somebody like mega superstars that just get paid to be sponsored. Or you think of like little league baseball fences and it's just like Iguana Joe's Mexican food restaurant, like on the fence, like there's like those sponsors, but you don't get sponsored to travel. And it's also become this crazy 
it's kind of a really vague term at this point because the way that at least our sponsorships works, like we work with Winnebago, we boost to sponsor the podcast. You heard that at the beginning, Copilot RV apps. And so it's just like all of these are different and they're almost more client-based relationships. Like you're, there's deliverables on just about all of them. Like none of them are sponsoring us just because we're Heath and Alyssa. Yeah, no, totally. It's, it's definitely, and that's why sometimes I'm even hesitant to say sponsor because it has that kind of connotation of like hey we're just like michael jordan and they, these companies pay us to you know say we use their stuff but it's it's really not that it's more of a we take yeah a partnership we, we take pictures for these people we write for these companies we we you know like for for example we you you give a shout out at the beginning of a podcast for these companies whatever you know there's certain xyz deliverables that they're paying for not as much of you know, you guys are cool. Here's here. Tell everybody to use our stuff. You know, yeah, we're not <laughs> like, that cute. Don't yeah. worry. We're not so lying to ourselves. Yeah, it's more the deliverable stuff. And I think the going back to why this is relevant and why it's readily available is because all these like if Chaco Sandals wanted to go out and capture content from all 59 national parks and send professional photographer and all this other stuff to all these places, it would cost them so much money and you guys are already doing it so you're like hey just you know give us maybe a thousand bucks a month or something i don't know exactly the details uh and we'll just go out and you know cut write a couple blogs take some photos and it helps fund your trip but this is just one small example i mean there are thousands and thousands of companies who i'm sure would be readily available uh, to work themselves into some type of trip because they all need great content and if it can fit into a travel sort of lifestyle then even better yeah, totally. And I and I think, you know, I think a lot of people see see this one idea, you know, go to all 59 national parks and they're like, oh, crap. Well, dang, they already have it. Like they already did that idea. It's, you know, like I, there's there's nothing else. But literally the sky is the limit with coming up with these trip ideas, right? Yeah, I mean, you could you could visit a pet shelter in every 50 states, whatever, you know, whatever your interest is, you could match it with anything. And there are a thousand companies for every interest, you know, so it's like there, there's so much possibility that I think a lot of times people give up too quickly when they come to the thing like, oh, I want to do that, but I just need an idea. I, I think there's just so many ideas out there. And, and there's sponsorships that can be uh, through any platform. I mean, Instagram, you guys have over 40,000 followers on Instagram. And, you know, there's podcasting, there's blogs, there's videos that you can insert them in. And so it's like you can figure out what area you can provide the most value or what you really enjoy doing and dig into one of those areas. What does that look like for you guys when y'all are talking and pitching new sponsors? Like how do those conversations kind of progress? What are they looking for? And can you share a little bit about that process? Yeah, totally. So I think for, for us, our, our strengths are um, Instagram and also producing like blog posts for these companies that they can then repurpose on, on their own blog. Um, and so Madison takes really awesome pictures. And, and so that's, that's kind of what we sell most of the time, really. And... And like, yeah, we, we have, you know, a big following on, on Instagram, but it's still, it's, it's not huge, you know, it's not like in the millions or anything crazy like that. So it's, so it definitely content is, is always king. So you, you've got to know how to take a quality picture. You've got to, you know, have some good writing skills, but, but yeah, I don't know. What else would you say that, that we, we push most often? Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and and you have adorable kitten, so Vladimir. Oh, yeah, we exploit our kitty for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's definitely the star of the show. Um, but I think what most companies are just interested in is content, um, like you said. So just like a um, a variety of um, different kinds of lifestyles and or trip ideas. And so if you're able to sell them on what you're doing, 
and convince them that you can do a good job for them, it's really not that hard. And, and it's not a scary thing approaching companies. I mean, like Case said, initially, we just sent out a bunch of cold emails with our pitch and proposal and kind of a little get to know RV adventures blurb and things like that. And looking back at that now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I could have done like knowing what I know now is just like, I can't believe that actually worked. <laughs> well, what, what did you what do you think you would do differently like what do you know now um in terms of pitching companies that's more effective i'll just let madison run the rest of the interview <laughs> <laughs> well i guess i guess um you know like I, I didn't even have a a map or anything like it was just it was just the way i i feel like i didn't describe kind of what we were doing it's just like hey like we're case and madison we're gonna go to all the parks like do you want to give us stuff? <laughs> like, and and I don't know. I just feel like I could tailor make an ask a lot better because I understand that these companies want real like life content, you know. So like they they want to see real people. They know that their their followers want to see real people, and and so I think that would is what I would emphasize the most is um, is just kind of saying, look, this is real stuff we're real people and we are living real lives and that's what people are drawn to um but and then on top of that i think you know at the beginning we didn't even like if somebody said you know oh, send me your media kit or whatever i would be like what the heck is a media kit and since since then i've, I've learned you, you you can kind of be a little more concise with your ask when you when you have a media kit, which is which is essentially just uh, maybe like a a bit of a pro portfolio, but along with that, it's like a portfolio combined with prices, combined with a sales page, kind of a thing, all in all in one. And um, and we found that to work really well for us. Um, but yeah, yeah. Have you? Uh, what are some of the pros and cons of working with sponsors that you guys have had? Because I mean, y'all have worked with multiple. Uh, in different contexts, and maybe it might just be easier if you kind of gave a little bit more details on like what is an example of one of the sponsorships that you guys have had, just like maybe some of the logistics around it, so people can kind of wrap their mind around. Okay, this is what a potential sponsorship one example uh, could look like, even though there's thousands of examples. Sure. Um, so I can think of a couple. So we so. Because we we had this trip, it was kind of kind of, kind of like you you stated already. It was it was a monthly thing, you know. We we that was that was our big pitch, like give us X amount of dollars per month for a nine month contract, because that's how long we think that we're going to be on the road going to these parks, right? Um, and so and for that, we will give you you know one blog post per park, um, X amount of photos, and X amount of social shout outs or tagging your account in our in our on our account right but then since so that, that was kind of like our first um our for like what, what what our sponsorships looked like at first um as we've gone down the line we've we've kind of done uh, a few other ones uh, some we will host giveaways um which is a cool way for us to transfer our audience to another company's audience you know so we can say hey we're we're hosting this giveaway for XYZ company, um, follow us and follow them, you know, and then let's see what, what was, what was another, and then we just, and then we do kind of paid posts. Um, so that's another way, you know, if a company kind of, uh, we had a few companies come to us in, in the middle of this trip and say, Hey, we really like what you guys are doing. You know, Michelin, they, they, they approached us and said, Hey, we want to, we want to pay you to talk about tire care, you know, on the road or whatever. And, uh, or, and, and so, so they, they paid per one piece of content and then that was it. And then we're, we, it's like, we don't have any long lasting relationship with them. It was one and done type of a deal. Yeah. What on Instagram, you don't have to give details from that one, but from stuff that you've seen across the board, how many subscribers do you have to have on a platform like Instagram for it to really make sense as far as, you know, like make it worthwhile. Like if I wanted to get 250 bucks for an Instagram post, how many followers would I have to have? And I know it depends on niche and it depends on company and like a million other factors, but there has to be some kind of threshold average type thing, right? Yeah. So 
I guess I, I don't I don't know where this rule is <laughs> and if it's if it's even if it's even a viable rule. But kind of when we first jumped into the Instagram influencing marketplace, I guess the rule that we heard was depending on your your community's engagement, um, so your audience and how how much they you know talk back with with you, you can get anywhere from five to ten dollars a post. No, uh, per, per well thousand. five to ten th- yeah per thousand per post you should Does that make that sense again. i should say that. so <laughs> so five dollars to ten dollars per one thousand followers per post so for example if you have forty thousand followers mm-hmm. you could charge anywhere from whatever five times ten five to ten times forty you right. know what i mean so there's like a range does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, I was like breaking out my calculator trying to like do stuff and listen to it. Anyway, no, it makes sense. Totally. It's kind of like, yeah, it's similar in the podcasting world. You do anywhere from, you know, $25 to $125 per thousand downloads on a podcast episode, depending on how niche it is and, you know, how many, how competitive it is for companies. So I'm, I'm presuming it's pretty similar uh, in that, in that context. And, and, and then you just kind of extrapolate from there. And like, I'm comfortable saying like, we've, we've just trying to figure out where we can actually charge. We've, we've like bounced our prices around just to kind of do some like split testing. Um, Just to see what people will go for. Yeah. Sometimes we way overprice it just to see. Just to see. And like, we've gotten really lucky on a few of them where they're like, okay. And it's like, wow, I can't believe they would pay that much, you know, but it's like, whatever, you know, (laughs) we're stoked on it. Yeah. And then that becomes like the normal price. Right. And then, and then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to start charging that and, you know, people pay it. And so I think, I don't know, I think you, you, you've got to be, you, it, it's okay to be bold, I guess, is, is a takeaway um, from, from that that we've, we've learned. But then there are times where, that we've, we've done that and they've come back and be like, whoa, that's, we, we don't even, we haven't ever paid an influencer. You know, we usually just send them product. Um, and so it, it really is, it just depends on kind of the, the ideology, I guess, of the company that you're approaching. And, and so you can do a lot of research before you, you know, send these emails out. You can, you can, you know, look at their Instagram and track what other followers they are, like what other influencers that they've worked with before and just kind of guess you know like okay these guys are definitely getting paid for what they're doing or okay that guy looks like he just got a free phone case for that (laughs) what's the name of that uh influencer marketplace that you guys use for instagram so we've actually signed up on a few and and i'll be straight up like those are actually i mean you can you can get in touch with some cool companies and and it and it works well but it usually they don't pay as well as if you you just found them yeah right if you were doing the deal, um, I'm trying to remember what are some of them. What's one of them's called Markerly, I think, and then uh, what's the other one? There's some. If you can't remember, you can just text it to me, and I'll link it up in the show notes. Uh, um, but I mean, there's there's a handful of them out there. That's not it's not like there's just one, but um, but yeah, that 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 is a really cool way um to to find some. But for us, we we found that the offers that were made through there are usually much lower than what we've gotten when we're hashing up the deal ourselves. Yeah. It's kind of crazy to talk about the Instagram influencer marketplace, but then again, it's just, it's almost like early days of Google AdSense in a way, you know, like early days of, you know, your traffic getting, you getting a lot of traffic on your website and then throwing an ad up there. I'm sure that was probably also a little weird back in the day in content marketing and influencer marketing. It's kind of just a new modern day era of that, if that makes sense. No, totally. Yeah. yeah. And also going back to free product, it's also kind of a sliding scale, right? Like I'm sure when you guys first got started, you said you'd be stoked with a t-shirt, but now you guys probably have had, you know, hundred companies ask to send you a t-shirt and you're like, okay, well at this point we've got plenty of shirts. We live in an RV and you can pay us if you want, you know, so it's kind of a sliding scale. The more followers you get, the, the less so, you have to do and the more you can get paid. Yep. That's and, exactly right. Yeah. That's the, it's, that's perfect. That's perfect. I, I think I think one of the kind of the key takeaways that I've gotten from you guys and awesome. I just want to say give you guys a compliment and say props again for like having going out and execute on this trip, carrying a baby around Madison. You get most of the props because you know hard work <laughs> there on your end. 
but I think key takeaway, you can go out and find companies willing to sponsor and partner with you. But I think you have to approach it, like you said, from more of a service-based business. Like you're, you're not going to them really asking, hey, give me an RV, give me a uh, hundred pairs of chocolate saying you're saying hey I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna give you content of this form and blog posts or whatever you can possibly do and something that we haven't really talked about because it's a whole bunch of content episodes in and of itself which is how to actually once you get past those services like how do you figure out which medium you know you want to go all in on like whether that's Instagram or podcasting and things like that so how did you guys choose Instagram as kind of like okay we're gonna put all our or a lot of time and effort into this to actually grow this following? Um, I don't know. It just kind of happened. Um, I just, I think I just felt like Instagram would be the easiest way to document our trip on a daily basis. Um, because, and obviously we, we did our blog, but blog blogging's a lot more involved. And so I think Instagram was a really easy way to just grow and share our adventures with as many people as possible. And Madison's just really good at, I mean, she's just really, she's way better than I am at, you know, just tailor making these posts, you know, cause like there, there's, there's, there's quite a bit of, there's, it's kind of an art form, I guess, in a way, like you, you, you put, you give the people what they want, right. And like you, you, you get the perfect picture of the cat, you know, doing whatever he's doing and you have to put a little witty caption with it and, and, uh, and Madison is really good at that. And so I think it just kind of, we just kind of fell into what we were good at. And I think, I think that's, that's how it, it should normally evolve. You know, like you guys are really good at putting these videos together and you documented, you know, you, you saw that you could do a documentary and, and that's just like the type of content that you're really good at making. And so it just comes naturally, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Madison, how much time would you say that you spent on average on Instagram? Like during the trip, like I guess per day or per post that you were putting out there. Mm, well, to be honest, like in the beginning, I sort of obsessed about it, and like I would be on Instagram a lot and trying to respond to comments, um, like all the time as they would roll in. But because we, we were really, we really wanted to promote engagement, and so when we're engaging with our audience, we recognize that was just I mean it just promotes even that much more engagement and so mm-hmm. it's, it's just good to connect right and way. and as we were growing we did that a lot but then I learned that you know you can't spend your whole life and your whole day on Instagram and you it's really more important to be present in the moment and to enjoy the trip that we're doing because I don't want to just post about it I want to live it and enjoy it and so there's a then there's definitely a balance and so then we got to the point where we would just turn off all notifications on our Instagram and I just told myself I would post and usually a post would take about I don't know maybe 10 to 15 minutes to find the photo I wanted to post and maybe edit it however I needed to edit it and then come up with a caption and do all the appropriate hashtags and and whatnot that's a little unfair because there's a lot of time going into thinking about the content that we want to make right like Mm -hmm. oh we need to get such and such picture in the park today or whatever you know so like there's there's planning involved but But the actual post would take about 10 to 15 minutes and then after that I would just be done and I wouldn't check back every two seconds to see how the post is doing. I just let it run its course. And then usually the next day I would go on um, and I'd just tell myself, like, okay, we're going to do Instagram right now. And we'd check up on our post and we'd respond to all the comments and still be engaged. But you kind of just need to set like a time every day that you dedicate to Instagram so that it doesn't take over your entire day and your entire, you know, mind space. So we spend like an hour responding yeah. to comments, you know, right. as, so I'd, I'd spend as like we're going. 10 to 15 minutes a day posting and then usually the next day we'd spend about an hour responding to comments and things like that so that, that's kind of the time frame on that sort of stuff what do you what do you think madison allowed you guys to get some attraction other than you know having vladimir the cute kitten and things like that uh i guess if you were looking at a bunch of other accounts that haven't gotten any type of traction on instagram uh, what would you say maybe you guys have done differently that they haven't done or what kind of allowed you guys to get more traction uh, with your postings than maybe some other people? Hmm, that's a good question. And I'm not really sure because sometimes it's sort of a mystery to me why people follow us and our you know weirdness and our quirkiness. But I think 
we just had a cool idea and people really love the national parks. There's a lot of parkies out there. And so I think we have that sort of community going for us. And then we have obviously our cat and all the crazy cat people out there. And so we got a lot of followers from that. Um, but right. I think people just appreciate authenticity and we try to keep it really real and um, very personable on our Instagram so that people really feel like they get to know us and that we're not these like untouchable celebrities or whatever, but that we're just normal humans. And we interact with people on our Instagram and we make friends and we feel connected to these people. And we've sort of created sort of like a community friendly feel to our Instagram. And so I think that's really important. And um, along with like that and getting more attention to your Instagram account, I think getting reposted on big accounts was also huge for us in the beginning. So mm -hmm. for example, like I would post a picture of Vladimir adventuring with us and then I would tag adventurecats.org or all the other big, you know, camping with cats accounts and things like that. And then they would see that and if they like it, they'll repost you on their channel and they have, you know, 200,000 followers. And so when that goes out on their channel and they tag us in it, tons of people are being reached. And so tons of people now know about Vladimir Kitten and will go and follow us. So I think um, getting reposted on big accounts was huge. And so finding out which accounts are in your kind of target um, audience and the type of followers that you want to attract um, getting those accounts to repost you is huge. Yeah. And I, re I remember, I remember at the beginning of the trip too, we kind of like, we sat down and we said, okay, what are our, like, what is our niche? And not even that, but like what, how many of them do we have? And so we would, you know, we kind of would, we wrote down a bunch of hashtags for adventure cats, right? We wrote down a bunch of hashtags for national parks. We wrote down a bunch of hashtags for road life and then specifically RVs. And then, you know, so we're working all of these channels, you know, like cute lovey-dovey posts, right? Like you, you have all of these channels that can reach out to kind of specific people that you that you line up with. And so you need to make sure that you're working all those channels to become discoverable to, to those mm -hmm. people. And you are you, were you guys searching uh, just random hashtags on Instagram or how did you find them? Because if you don't know what hashtag to search, it's kind of hard to find sometimes. Were you just looking at maybe influencers in those categories and seeing what all hashtags they were using? Yep. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it, you, you, you kind of got to mine it because you, you can't just, I mean, I guess you can just come up with with random hashtags, but there there are defined hashtags out there for all of these for every channel in the world, right? And and so we would just kind of bounce around and you know, we would stumble across a new account that was had a similar vibe or a similar idea and then we could we could go through theirs and, and say like, oh wow, there's here's a few repost accounts that they're using or whatever or trying to get attention from or whatever and we could jump in that same same kind of network. Mm -hmm. Did you guys ever post any photos that just immediately bombed and you're like, yeah, people in our, that are following us don't really care about this. Or For sure. Really? There's, definitely. there's definitely photos that maybe I just wanted to post because I wanted to remember that moment in the park or that whatever thing I wanted to post about. And maybe it wasn't the most attractive photo or maybe it just wasn't like the most epic photo ever. Maybe it didn't have the cat in it. And so nobody cared about it, which is what happened most of the time when we didn't post about the cat. But, um, and there's definitely those times, but you kind of just have to let that go sometimes because I don't know, there's a balance between giving the people what they want, but also staying true to, you know, what I want our, or what we want our Instagram to look like and the story that we want to tell. And when it comes down to it, it's our life. And so if people don't like a certain aspect of our life, that's okay. And they might like different aspects of it. And, and that's fine, too. And so, I mean, I definitely know that if I post a picture of Vladimir on the backpack with Case in an epic national park, <laughs> everybody's going to love it, you know, because we got our cat people, we got our park people, we got our adventure couple people, you know, all the people are going to like that. But maybe I post like a picture, I don't, I don't uh, know. Fish tacos. Yeah, fish tacos or something. And I'll get my, you know, foodie people, but we don't have a ton of foodie people. So that one may not get as much attention. Yeah. And that's okay, because I wanted to post about fish tacos and share my <laughs> so 
too bad for everyone else. <laughs> I love it. Did you guys read that? I think I saw you share that article that the New Yorker put out about the uh, van life uh, Instagram and how they're turning that into their personal brand. Kind of. Did you read that? I did. That was a cool write up. What uh, was your What were your thoughts on that? Because it was kind of. I I felt like at the end, uh, he was kind of. A, almost poking fun at it a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. where he was like, they were kind of like outside posing. If you haven't read it, I'll link up to it in the show notes. Basically, it's a New York uh, New Yorker article. A guy went uh, in around with a, a couple on Instagram who are influencers living in a van and kind of documented what they do and how they got there. It's really interesting. But at the end, it, they were kind of taking these photos of her in a bikini on top of the van and or whatever and trying to get you know like this perfect shot and they talk about how you know much time they spend getting these shots whatever and i totally get all you know i totally get what they do and i've you know familiar on that side of things but these guys would always come up to them like you guys are real like living the real authentic life or something like that and he's like yeah that's the authentic life i don't know it felt like he was almost poking what were your thoughts um i laughed a lot of because (laughs) Because, well, mainly because our equivalent of the girl in the bikini is Vladimir on <laughs> rock. I was like, that is so funny. Yeah, I'm not about to wear a bikini. But... It feels a little less grimy to, to pimp out <laughs> Vladimir on Instagram. Right. Exactly. But, uh, we have but... no shame in pimping out Vladimir. <laughs> but, um, and then, and then uh, I, I was, I, I think what I was, uh, grateful for is that kind of what Madison said is, is we want to kind of stay true to like ourselves and, and be as real as we can. Like, yeah, we pose these shots sometimes like we, we wait for golden hour in the parks or whatever, you know, to get, to make sure the lighting is right, whatever, you know, we put thought into it, but when it comes down to it, we're telling our story and we're, we're being real with our audience and and I think ultimately that is what is most attractive to people. I think people want to really connect with other people and so like I don't know at least and maybe because I'm on the influencer side of a lot of of, of Instagram when I see some of those posts, you know, of you know the girl in the bikini yeah in her van. It's like, "Okay, you were not just hanging out." <laughs> And it's like you're that. alone in your van, so yeah, obviously like, you set up your camera to take that yeah, picture. Yeah, like, so, I don't know. And so I, th- I think people are going to catch on to that and be kind of like, okay, like please, you know. And and so I think I think when it comes, to, it may it may be good like short run game, you know. It may be good short run for for the few handful of posts that they make, but in the long run, like they're they're going to have they're going to lose like an engaged, committed following, I guess. I guess that was my takeaway. And those were like the thoughts that I had of, of just trying to be true, you know, true followers, I guess are better than like the, I don't know. No, no, you got it. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think that holds true in everything and I would totally agree with that. And something I would, I would layer on top of that is we were, we did a trip last week to the Florida Keys and it was great. And it was a media trip. So we went down there to promote RVing in the Florida Keys with the Florida uh, Keys Tourism Board, which, you know, call me any day. I'm always down to go do that. It sounds awesome. But, you know, we got there and we're hanging out on the beach and I got my camera out. And, and, and I'm sure nobody around me was thinking it, but I was just, I felt like they were probably saying, like, look at this guy. He's at the beach and, you know, he's over here just like messing around with his camera or his phone or whatever. And I, I felt a little guilty in that moment, even though it was probably one, I, for sure was 100% all in my head. But then I, I was thinking about it a little bit more and what kind of helped because on one side of the coin, I'm thinking, okay, I'm here, I'm in this awesome place, and I'm taking away from the experience because I have my camera out. And the, But then on the other side of the coin, I'm only there to document it. I'm only there because it's it's my job and it's my work. And then on top of that, I get to enjoy the experience some. So I don't know. I kind of toe that line between those two things, and I'm sure you guys have probably felt that too. Totally. Yeah, but I and and at the same time, like I completely agree with you, and it is your job to capture these photos. And for us, I guess it was, I don't know. I I just found like I had a lot of fun seeing the parks through the camera lens, and I wouldn't remember half the things that we did had we not documented it. And so I really 
treasure the photos that we've taken, um, whether they were slightly, you know, posed or thought out or whatever, whether they were totally spontaneous and in the moment. Um, I value and love all those photos. And so I'm really grateful that we took a ton of photos and videos and I have no shame in that. So. (laughs) And and one day uh, when you guys have a house or, you know, RV or whatever, Theo is going to be able to look around and be like, man, my parents are pretty freaking awesome. (laughs) yeah it'll be like dude you were there too (laughs) yeah totally you were there uh so last question for you guys what does success look like for you guys as y'all are transitioning finishing up your 59 national park tour and now you have theo are you guys going to keep rving like what does that look like for you guys yeah so originally we set off with the idea we're going to do this and we're going to be you know we'll move back to whatever normal life is right like whatever whatever that looks like we thought Um, it was finite yeah and we got about what six months maybe even less than that three months into Mm -hmm. our trip and we were we realized like we were hooked yeah well what do we got to do to stay on the road because we loved it and uh and so for us so we're, we're so i guess in short after the tour officially ends we're still going to be on the road and um scheming up a few other ideas so that's i think at least what it looks like for us Mm -hmm. uh, so i think we'll just keep cruising just at a much slower pace and kind of go back to those parks that we loved and want to see more of or um do the things in between the parks that we also missed out on um and just kind of be spontaneous in our route from now on i guess and live a little bit more relaxed and not have such a crazy schedule with all these deadlines, you know, it sounds really nice just to take it easy and kind of enjoy and do whatever the heck we want, but to continue living road life. So I think that's our goal from here on out is just to figure out how to continue working with companies and working remotely and doing road life at a much slower pace and with Theo and showing him all of our cool places. So that's kind of the plan from here on out. I love that. And I know you guys have some exciting uh, content partnerships that are in the works right now on an ongoing basis. So that'll be cool to to hear about. And I know you're also putting together uh, a little course on helping people find and land sponsors on the road based off of what you guys have experienced during this first year. And I know you've worked with a ton of companies. So where can people learn more about that? Um, yeah, so we, we actually just did a, a bit of like a redesign on our website. Um, so that's at ourv.com. So that's O-U-R-V-I-E.com. And uh, we, we have a little section on the blog that we, we call it Road School. So you can check out our, our course. It's, it's uh, still in the works right now, but you can, you can sign up and, and get a, an early bird 15% off if, uh, if you go to the link there there now. So. Awesome. And, and I know you're still building that out, but if you are listening and you have any questions on the subject of finding sponsors or just curious about Instagram growing, uh, you know, you're following on various platforms, like I'm sure reach out to you guys on Instagram at, at our V and ask you guys, and that's probably the best place to connect with you. Yeah. Yeah. So our, our official Instagram handle is at our V adventures. Um, and, uh, yeah, so you, you can, you can direct message us there. Email is actually the best way. Um, so contact at our It's easier for us to manage just because direct messages can be a little bit overwhelming sometimes, but, uh, yeah, we're, t- we would, we would love to, to chat about different ideas you, you have going and help problem solve that. So yeah. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, I'll link up to all that info and y'all's email and all that good stuff in the show notes. Thanks again, guys, for being on the podcast. That was awesome. Thanks. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to that episode with Case and Madison. If you want to connect with them, the best place to do that is over on Instagram at Our V Adventures, and you can find the links to their website and Case's upcoming course all on the show notes page at heathandalyssa.com and click on podcast. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Would love a review in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you are listening to this podcast, Overcast or whatever app. I think Overcast has reviews. 
I should probably have checked that before saying this. Anyway, would love a review and subscribe so you get notified whenever we release new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays are the mini short episodes that I've been pushing out. Always love to hear feedback and what you guys would like to hear on upcoming episodes. So feel free to reach out to me at Heath Paget on Twitter or on Instagram and let me know what you'd like to hear on the show. I'll see you guys next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.